All right, 74 days to go, and that means that you then become the ultimate jury. 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. Got to start with some good news, if we can, when we can. I Remember, I, I did not think we'd see the job numbers start coming back as early as we did from May when we got Ju- got the May numbers in June and have followed through in from June to July and then July and now into August. Uh, amazing stuff. We talked about consumer confidence, retail sales, new startup home building yesterday. Now we have uh, new information out today, National Association of Realtors, a huge uh, economic sector. And sales of existing homes on top of now surging, uh, building new homes, uh, a sales of existing homes soaring 24.7% in July from June. That is the strongest monthly gain in the history of the survey going back to 1968. The highest uh, sales price uh, pace, sales pace since December 2006. By the way, the opposite is happening in New York. Linda said she read today, what, 500,000 people they expect leaving within this year? Well, wow. actually, it's already. It's, it's already, already 500,000. It's already at half a million people out of the city. And the Big Apple Movers has said they're up 100%. Yeah, no, they, they're turning clients down. They're actually being, they, they say they're being told to go into apartments, wipe them out, clean them out. And they're like, just go in, pack it. You, you know, well, well, the doorman, the, the super will let you in the building, then out, you know, take it all away, send it here. That's that's pretty dramatic. Anyway, sales 8.7 uh, percent higher than from July of 2019. Sales of newly built homes jumped 14 percent made in June. According to the U.S. Census, home builder sentiment rose in August to the highest score in a 35 year history of the National Association of Home Builders. Their monthly index and builders are benefiting not just from strong buyer demand, but from severe shortages of existing homes for sale. And I think this exodus out of New York is going to be the same with California as it's been. It's just a trend that's continuing, but now it will be dramatically accelerated. And you'll see in the same thing in states like New Jersey and states like Illinois and elsewhere. Wow, that is pretty amazing. So the surging demand for homes now, is it's driven the median price of a home sold in July up 8.5% annually to uh, $304,100. That's a record high, you know, normal prices, but also the highest prices when adjusted for inflation. When, it, when you factor in inflation, it's 3.4% higher than the the bubble, as they called it. It's set in 2006 when mortgage lending was loose and borrowers could buy a home, no down payment, little to no financial documentation. Uh, pretty, pretty just amazing numbers and all good news. And by the way, driving, there's a New York Post piece out today, Red states are the ones that are driving this post-pandemic economic recovery. Uh, U.S. retail sales, I talked about Walmart and all the big box stores and and Costco's and Target. And, I mean, they're just going gangbusters. I mean, records set after record set. Even fake news CNN had to report this, quote, headline, American American shopping is back to pre-pandemic levels. That's a big deal. Whoops. After slumping to a seven-year low in April, retail sales have bounced back to their pre-pandemic level in just a few months. As of July, they were the highest level on record. Wow. 
you know, just before November 3rd, we're going to get numbers. Those numbers are going to be from the third quarter GDP. I mean, it's amazing. Remember, they, they were predicting 20-whatever percent unemployment. Just the opposite happened. We're down, we, we stood still too high. We don't want any unemployment. We won't eventually. That's the whole point. You know, Biden last night saying there is no miracle. Well, it's actually been a miracle in this sense. Nobody, one death is too many. But it's been a miracle in the sense that we've never broken down the sequence of virus uh, this quickly. And eight months after the first identified case, we are in final phase trials for a vaccine. It used to take six years and longer to break down a virus sequence and then build out a vaccine. That was years later after that. Nothing like this. Even Biden admitted the worst pandemic in a hundred years. Yep, and we'll get to that later. And he didn't. He opposed the travel ban. What a dope! He opposed the quarantine. He opposed the other travel bans. He was the Democrats were too busy impeaching. Listen, a lot of lies told about this. One other note on this: two things. Fauci had said, "Yeah, voting in person is fine. Social distance, wear your mask, no problem." CDC chief Robert Redfield says America's turned the tide on coronavirus. And what you see now, Arizona, Texas, Florida, uh, California. Remember, it's, it seems to have followed the same pattern. You want to flatten the curve, flatten the curve. You know, you have this spike in, in cases. The spike gets leveled. You have higher death count. Then it results in dramatically lower. We had Monday of this week, Johns Hopkins put out that uh, the lowest number of people contracting it uh, since June. So that seems to have followed the same pattern. You always want to be, look, I, if we're that close. This is why, for me, it was always temporary, the whole mask idea. And I saw anecdotally what had happened in New York. Um, let me get to the speech. Look, you know, uh, he made it. Oh, the greatest speech ever. Oh, my God. I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, the mob is so, so predictable, aren't they? They're just so predictable. Um, and I, I'm just I'm watching them. And Washington Post says this is this Democratic convention was award worthy television. That's sort of like giving out Pulitzer Prizes to people that peddle false conspiracy theories at the New York Times. I mean, it's unbelievable. So one thing that nobody wants to pay attention to is the content. And the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, is anyone else paying attention to what I'm paying attention to? Because Joe Biden, you know, they talk about give people light. So many. Look, there's more platitudes, bumper stickers, uh, you know, that, you know, made in this speech, cliches one after another. I love what the president said. Just words. This guy's been there 50 years. We've been sending Lawrence Jones all over the country. Tell us one thing Joe Biden has ever accomplished and made your life better. Well, he got elected vice president. How did it make your life better? And that's the other thing. He has a record. Nobody else in the mob will tell you 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty. I give the list out a lot. I'll give it out later. But I mean, the worst recovery since the 40s. That's their record. That's their eight years. After eight years, 13 million more. Lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. You know, and then he's, he's giving us lectures about give people light. Too much anger. Too much fear. Too much division. Uh, I give you my word. Let's stop there. You entrust me with the presidency. I'll, I'll draw the best out of us. Give you my word. Now, uh, John Solomon will join us later. I noticed on justthenews.com. Well, this guy lied in 1987 when he publicly said he marched in the civil rights movement. 
And then he had to admit later, oh, no, I was uh, I was not an activist and he was not out marching. Whoopsie daisy. I mean, it's somebody he offered himself, you know, as the, the affable Joe, the trustworthy Joe, the what is five decades? What has he done? You know, I have a whole montage I'll play for you today. The confrontations, you know, an episode of the the first three runs for president case study. You know, he's he's literally spars with a political reporter about his law school record, and he responded that he probably had a higher IQ than the reporter and claimed that he was in the top half of his class. Well, it was later revealed he was near the bottom of his law school, Syracuse University College of Law. Uh, he came in 76 out of 85 students. Also had to admit he plagiarized during his first year at the institution. I, I was mistaken, but I was uh, not in any way malevolent, he said. And he plagiarized Bobby Kennedy and, you know, Neil Kinnock. I mean, that that destroyed a previous run for the presidency. He faced plagiarism again when it was revealed his 2020 climate plan lifted passages from documents without attribution. Just the news dot com. You can see the great article on John Solomon's site. You know, he said he marched in the civil rights movement, said media outlets pointed out. No, you didn't. Then he has to admit he wasn't. I mean, it, and it goes on from there. He just lies. The substance of this is lies. And that the media will never tell you. Oh, he made it. That's, oh, he made it. He gave it. I'm sure he practiced it at least a thousand times. But made, look, we probably made, he's been so bad off the cuff that, you know, I hate to tell you, you can teach anybody to focus and, and, and read a teleprompter. I do it every day. Although I ad lib around it left and right. Hardest job on Hannity, the TV shows, being the teleprompter operator. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, it's I'm watching this and I'm like, are you in touch with yourself at all? This is all a con job. This is all full of lies. And he's going to lecture us about too much anger, too much fear, too much division. Well, let's let's play some of Joe's greatest hits. Listen. And Madam President, we have predators on our streets. So if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. I wish these guys had thought it's temporary. I wish they had some notion what it's like to be on the other side of a gun or a 200-pound man standing over you telling you to submit. The press always asks me, don't I wish I were debating him? No, I wish you were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. That's what I wish. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You're full of All right, thank I mean, you. Now, no, no, shush. Shush. Romney wants to let the, he said in the first hundred days, he's going to let the big banks once again write their own rules. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. So you're a damn liar, man. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, if you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not, what do you think, huh? Are, are you a junkie? What do you, you should be looking at Trump. Trump's doing this because he knows I'll beat him like a drum. Sounds like uh, not a lot of light there. Sounds like a lot of anger. Come on, man. You take a, you know, take a test for, for cocaine and you a junkie. Come on, man. I mean, it's like, okay, he read the teleprompter. Uh, you know, you just look at his record. And then the whole thing, the whole idea that somehow we're just going to ignore completely his atrocious record, praising the guy that filibustered. 
the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Lyndon Johnson needed the Republicans in the House and Senate to pass that bill. 80%. And then, uh, you know, his, his former Klansman buddy, Byrd, opposed the Voting Rights Act. He partnered, you know what, 13 years later uh, to stop integration of schools. He didn't want his kids going to school in what he called a racial jungle. Like, we're, we're going to get lectured by this guy? 7-Eleven, Dunkin' Donuts, Indian accent, you know, the first African-American, mainstream African-American, articulate, bright, clean. Uh, Nice-looking guy. Storybook, man. You ain't black. We're going to put you all back in chains. Uh, he revealed that he had been shot at while visiting Iraq, but, yeah, no records to prove that was true either. You know, March of this year, he claimed he was arrested in South Africa for trying to See, uh, Nelson Mandela, his campaign said, no, that didn't happen either. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just stunned. Biden's Democratic primary run, even the Washington Post said that Biden told a, a fake story on, on the campaign campaign trail. Um, you know, again and again, and he was never endorsed, uh, never marched in the civil rights, just the opposite. He, he praises the guy that, that filibustered that legislation. Unbelievable. Amazing how Democrats just ignore the lack of law, order, violence. There's no safety, no security in all their fellow Democratic-run states and cities, isn't that? How do you ignore that? You know, just like they ignore the corruption. I mean, how do they ignore their own corruption? You've got to, I mean, really, we're just going to forget uh, what happened with Benghazi and Fast and Furious and the deep state. And Obama, just as bad rhetoric over the years, too. I got a montage on him that I can play. This is not a partisan moment. This must be an American moment. These are all words, all cliches. And, you know, yes, this campaign isn't about winning votes. Actually, it is. The end of the day, it's about who gets the votes to win the Electoral College. It's about winning the heart and the soul of America. Okay, great. Uh, Okay, winning it for workers. Well, Joe, why did you, after eight years, why didn't you shatter every record low unemployment record for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans and uh, Asian-Americans and women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African-American youth unemployment? You had eight years. Why didn't you do criminal justice reform, Joe? Fifty years in the swamp. You're the one that was saying predators in the early 90s. How come you how come you praise former Klansman, the guy that filibusted the Civil Rights Act, Joe? What one of two, three achievements in 50 years in that swamp can you point to? Because I can give you the chapter and verse on everything Donald Trump did. And, you know, I, I, I'm just amazed. No, it's wonderful. He made it through the speech. You read a teleprompter. You know, so winning it for those jobs ain't coming back. You know, we we have you added 13 million more Americans needed food stamps after eight years of you and and Barack and eight million more in poverty. You didn't shatter one economic record. And when you start lecturing us on foreign policy, I wanted to puke more straight ahead. All right, live for your die. Amazon.com. Thank you again this week. Number one uh, uh, in the country. Uh, we appreciate it. And but more importantly, this book is laying out. Okay, what's made America great in detail and specificity? This rise of radicalism. I'm actually going to do something at the end of the show today. Reagan gave a speech in 1964, a time of choosing. 
And it's so relevant to what I think this election is about, but it's even more important, I would argue, today. Uh, so we'll get to that. And and what is their stated agenda? They, they notice they stayed away from the agenda. A lot of hatred of Donald Trump. Hate, hate, hate. I didn't see a lot of talk about American exceptionalism, American greatness, America. Oh, let's see. Uh, defeats fascism, Nazism, imperial Japan, communism. America, you know, because of liberty and freedom and risk and reward and capitalism and invention and innovation. Didn't hear any of that. You know, well, Joe Biden did admit the worst pandemic in over 100 years. Uh, we're in final phase trials now for a vaccine within eight months of the first identified case. I'm listening to him lecture us on coronavirus. And I'm thinking uh, if you were president, you never would have instituted the travel ban 10 days after the first identified case in this country of coronavirus. Donald Trump did. You called it hysterical xenophobia and fear mongering. You didn't support the subsequent travel bans. You didn't support uh, you didn't support the first what, what turned out to be the first quarantine in over 50 years in this country. You know, I'm like sitting there. I'm like, you, you, you really want to go there? You know, uh, and I have news for Donald Trump. No miracle is coming. Let me tell you the fact that we are in final phase testing for a vaccine eight months after the first identified case in this country. President Trump, it's called Operation Warp Speed, Joe. Wake up. Maybe read something. No miracle is coming. Uh, if we did that, that'd be fairly miraculous in the sense that that's never happened before. You know, and then I'm listening to the, we will deploy rapid tests. Okay, what are you up to? 70 million tests already in this country? We already have it. Uh, what he's calling for. Uh you know, then he says, and, and we'll make the medical supply. We already have the medical supplies, Joe. We're, maybe you were asleep during the pandemic and we'll get the protective equipment. We have all the protective equipment right now that we need and we're sharing it with the world that is suffering. Uh, you know, and the, and we, we'll we'll bring them. We'll make all these things here in America. Uh, no, you weren't d demanding anything from China. You were too busy flying to China with and uh, with zero experience hunter and he comes back and he gets first a, a billion dollar deal with the bank of china i'm like you, really i'm sitting there saying this it's the substance just forget the style that he could read it i mean wow what a high bar he could read a teleprompter by the way reading a teleprompter is not as easy as some people may think my hardest problem reading a teleprompter is night is I'm a radio host and nothing I say is scripted. I have no idea what's going to be coming out of my mouth in the next 30 seconds. But, you know, obviously Joe doesn't have that ability. So, uh, OK, great. He practiced. He delivered his, his written speech very well. OK, good job, Joe. You're a rock star. How about what you're saying? And we'll make them here in America. I'm like, OK, you said and Obama said those jobs ain't coming back. And Donald Trump already did that. Donald Trump's the one that forced China into the $500 billion trade deal. He got the new trade deals and better trade deals with Japan and Canada and Mexico and our uh, Western European allies. That would, that would be Donald Trump that did that. It's like Donald Trump. You can lecture, lie all you want about your civil rights record. It is what it is. He set record after record low unemployment rate for every demographic in the country. One record after another after another. He's the one that created Opportunity Zones, along with Senator Tim Scott. 
He's the one that was out there committing more money for the longest period of time of any president in history for historically black colleges. You didn't do criminal justice reform, you know, talking about the disparate sentencing when you were calling everybody predators in inner cities. And and just like you just praised the former Klansman and just like you worked with the former Klansman to prevent integration of schools, uh, even Kamala called you out on that. And she says in one of the late night interviews, oh, yeah, yeah, well, that was just a debate. What? Just a debate? What? You didn't mean what you said? That was a show? You just lie during debates? You know, you know, will the real person stand up? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. They need the unvarnished truth. Well, when are you going to start telling the truth, Joe? You know, and then and he gives this broad economic plan. Uh, it's about jobs and dignity and respect and community together, and we can rebuild the economy. The economy's already being rebuilt, Joe. Wake up. Maybe you've been hiding in your bunker too long um, because that miracle happened once, and it's beginning to unfold right before our very eyes if you would just open your eyes. And just pay some attention to what's actually going on in the world. I mean, all this promises, 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 cliches, broad, sweeping cliches and promises. We will deal with climate change. It's not only a crisis, it's an enormous opportunity. I mean, like Solyndra, an opportunity for America to lead the world, clean energy, create. Well, you're pledging to get rid of fossil fuels. That right now is the lifeblood of the world's economy. We're energy independent for the first time in 75 years, and we are the world's largest producer of energy. That didn't happen with with you and Barack. Joe and Barack didn't do that. Donald Trump did that, too. And, you know, this idea that we're going to get rid of oil, gas, fossil fuels, but we're going to promise everything K through college free student loan forgiveness free. Check the box. We're going to guaranteed government jobs for everybody, guaranteed uh, wages for everybody, guaranteed government vacations and guaranteed government healthy food and guaranteed government health care. And Kamala doesn't even want you to have any choice. All going to be funneled into a failed governmental system. That would be an unmitigated disaster. You know, and he talks about, well, they want to dismantle Obamacare. And I'm like, "Uh, it's already dismantled on its own. Another words mean nothing from you, Joe. Remember, keep your doctor, keep your plan, save money. Average family saves twenty five hundred dollars per family per year. Millions lose their doctor. Millions lose their plan. And on average, as Americans, we're paying about 200 percent more. And nearly 40 percent of the country, Joe, has one Biden Obamacare exchange option. That's it. So much for choice. New Green Deal. Kamala Harris, co-sponsor. Medicare for all, Kamala Harris there too. Take away guns. Yeah, she thinks it's okay to do it by executive fiat. That, that you know, it's either going to be that or hell yeah, we're coming for your guns with Joe's uh, uh, gun czar. And that would be Beto Bozo. We can and will deal with climate change. Okay. He's pledging trillions, trillions of dollars for this new Green Deal insanity. This is the whole purpose of the history, socialism and a history of failure that I write about. Chapter four, after I go through the democratic fantasy land agenda, is that it's same promises, whatever name, whatever form it was given throughout history. I don't care if it's the, the revolution, 
uh, and Mao, how many tens of millions of people starved to death? But they were promised something else, but they ended up starving to death. Former Soviet Union, you have the bourgeois, the proletariat. We're going to be for the working people. We're going to take from this group of people, give it to everybody else, to each according to their need, from each according to their ability. Sounds great. Never have to worry again because my fellow uh, countrymen are going to take care of me. Well, just destroyed incentive. And once the, the biggest developer of wheat and growers of wheat in the world, they're begging their, their geopolitical enemy, the United States, for wheat. They didn't have any. And what was the end result? The Bolshevik Revolution leading into the, the Soviet Union and their satellite countries. They all had the same thing. Hungary, Bulgaria, uh, Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia, Poland, East Germany. What? Same thing. Broken unfulfilled promises, more poverty and misery, and it's just a matter of what degree you lose your freedoms in the name of false security. That is what he is offering. When you when you pull out all the platitudes and the slogans and the bumper stickers, that's what he's offering. Those are his stated policies. That's what he's saying he will do. Those are the people he has now aligned himself with. You know, I hear their voices. If you listen, you can hear them Two, whether there's a, an existential threat posed by climate change, daily fear of being gunned down in school. He didn't even talk about the cities at all in the country. He didn't even talk as if it doesn't exist. Kamala Harris is a powerful voice, but she's more left than Bolshevik Bernie. That's what he's offering America. You know, does a great job of Joey. You know, he's been telling the Joey stories, you know, since he's two. You know, 50 years of swampness, and what has he done? What, 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 how is, what has he accomplished? How has he brought this country together? How many lies does he tell? And then he's looking us in the eye and telling us, you know, I can promise you, I give you my word. Your word is meaningless, Joe. You lie all the time. Obamacare, case in point, none of that happened. None of it. And that's what you're promising in the substance now. We're talking about the substance of this speech last night. Uh, you know, look, the president got it right. Just words, more words. So he accepts the nomination. It's, by the way, shortest acceptance speech at the DNC since 1984, half as long as Hillary's. Uh, remember the same media mob. Oh, Hillary, great speech, praise, worship of all things Hillary. Uh, it's unbelievable. You know, now the Republicans step up. They can talk about substance. They can talk about success. They can talk about their record. Notice Joe didn't talk about his record and, and Barack's record because it is what I said. It is, you know, the eight years, here's the end number. 13 million more Americans, food stamps, 8 million more poverty, lowest labor participation rate since the 70s, worst recovery since the 40s, lowest home ownership rate, 51 years. And, of course, they, well, took on more debt than every other president administration before them combined. Um, so that is your modern democratic radical socialist party. You know, he warns more people will die if Donald Trump gets reelected. Well, he didn't offer one thing on Corona that Donald Trump hasn't already done well ahead of him, except give us no hope. Where, where is the talk of, of any, has America done anything good? You know, it's, it's pretty amazing. They don't like to talk about H1N1. Remember, it took them six months officially to say, you know, oh, this is a national emergency. They had a health secretary say it, you know, some weeks in, but that was it. 
And, uh, you know, they're wrong on the issue of COVID. They've been wrong from the start. They have been dead wrong. He was against the travel ban. He was against the subsequent travel ban. He was against the quarantine. I, I, it's incalculable. Even Anthony Fauci said, yeah, he said to me in one of my interviews with him. Yeah, that was a great decision. Saved a lot of lives. Prevented a lot of people from contracting this virus. And it bought us time because nobody had prepared uh, all the PPE that we're eventually going to need. You know, so blasting Trump, cozying up for dictators. And I'm listening to that one and I'm like, you mean like the Iranian mullahs you gave $150 billion in cash and other currency to? Are you kidding me? You know, you're talking about, you know, you want the real quid and pro and quo with Joe? Yeah, that would be, let's see, Hunter and him. You're not getting a billion taxpayer dollars unless you fire that prosecutor investigating my son being paid millions and millions of dollars. And Hunter on GMA saying, you have any experience with Ukraine? Nope. Oil? Nope. Energy? Nope. Nothing? Nope. Why do you think they picked you? I don't know. Is it because maybe your, your father's the vice president and he's in charge of Ukraine? Probably. Same thing with China. Unbelievable. Unbel- There's unbelievable times. So now it moves to President Trump and the RNC convention. I have a lot of announcements that I will be making Monday. Uh, their themes, a land of heroes on Monday, land of promise on Tuesday, land of opportunity on Wednesday, and land of greatness on Thursday. Those are not things I heard a lot at as it relates to this convention that thankfully is over. And, you know, and then, but of course, the mob and the media, Washington Post says this is an award winning television, award worthy. Really? Because the American people weighed in. Uh, the ratings were tanked compared to 2016. Networks, one or two nights, they were down 48% from four years ago. Not exactly a big success. You know what? They didn't talk about it. Law and order and the economy and your record, Joe, is going to be on the ballot. Your record on the economy and your record on foreign policy. And guess what? Ukraine is on the table and China is on the table. And your record on issues involving race, they're on the table too. Everything that, that you know, the media will never get to, we will. And the American people will hear. Now we're two, Sean Hannity Show. Thank you again. It's got to drive the New York Times nuts. Thank you for making Live Free or Die, America, the world on the brink, uh, number one. Um, that's nice. I do appreciate it. I'm very appreciative, actually. But more importantly, what happens in 74 days Winning there matters the most to me, uh, which is the whole reason I wrote it. Uh, glad to announce, I I love, they don't always do this, but so far Amazon's been holding at a 40% discount. Um, Costco's has big sales on it. Books a million and Barnes and & Noble and Walmart and Target. And it is, you want to know what's at stake this election? It's everything. And that's what we lay out and how predictable these failures will be if their plans are implemented. So anyway, let, let me go back to something I touched on last hour here. It's give people light. Now we'll find the way. The platitudes, the bumper stickers, you know, the, the same slogans. Too much anger, too much fear, too much division. I give you my word. I will not be an al- I will be an ally of the light and not of the darkness. We choose hope over fear. Facts over fiction. You got it right this time. 
uh, et cetera, et cetera. This is not a partisan moment. This must be for an American moment. I'll bring us together. The soul of the country is at stake here. Okay. Well, let's go back and Mr. Uniter, uh, the two Uniters, Joe and Barack. Let's just take a trip down memory lane, shall we? And Madam President, we have predators on our streets. So if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. I wish these guys had thought it's temporary. I wish they had some notion what it's like to be on the other side of a gun or a 200-pound man standing over you telling you to submit. Press always asks me, don't I wish I were debating him? No, I wish you were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. That's what I wish. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You're full of All right, thank now, you. Now, shush. Shush. Romney wants to let the, he said in the first hundred days, he's going to let the big banks once again write their own rules. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. So you're a damn liar, man. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, if you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not, what do you think, huh? Are, are you a junkie? What do you, you should be looking at Trump. Trump's doing this because he knows I'll beat him like a drum. Uh, too much anger, too much fear, too much division with the United States. This must be an American moment. And I'll work for even those people that, that didn't vote for me and don't vote for me. Does all of that sound like light to you? Not to me. Anyway, here to weigh in on all of this, uh, Dan Bongino, Fox News contributor. By the way, he has a great new book. I've been able to get an early copy of it, and I just started it because I just got it. Follow the money, the shocking deep state connections of the anti-Trump cabal. Be a huge bestseller, Leo Terrell, uh, at the Leo Terrell, right on Twitter. That's correct. How many followers you got now, Leo? Hundred and sixty-five thousand. Amazing. Pretty good. I like wow. it. Uh, okay. Out. What What did you have before you started coming on my show? Uh, I tell you right now, I started in January. I had zero. <laughs> <laughs> I had oh, that's zero. funny. Uh, well, you, you're getting there. We're gonna. We'll keep retweeting. Anyway. Uh, Dan, let's start with you, and let's go over. I mean, all I love the president summed up just words. Fifty years of just words from him. They've done nothing, and they do have a record, which I've been going over. Yeah, and his words are all lies. You know, there's so much material to work with, Sean. Um, that that I almost I make this same mistake. I get lost in the same Biden gas all the time. You know the ones. We're going to put you all back in chains. Obama takes a shower. He's clean. Um, all the, you know, quasi-racist stuff he said. Even, even I get lost in that. But we forget that there's other more substantive lies that Biden's been guilty of. Remember when he said he was uh, shot at overseas in Iraq? Yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, remember when he said he was arrested going to see Nelson Mandela? Um, yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, yeah, remember like he, he marched people, in the civil rights marches, uh, that he was endorsed by the NAACP. Never happened. You you stole my thunder. Yeah, he he marched with the end of like these aren't small lies, Sean. Like if, if you and I marched in a civil rights rally with like Martin Luther King or someone, we'd remember that'd be a big profound moment. You don't forget this kind of stuff, and that's the kind. He's a liar. He's just a liar. I mean, it is what it is, and everybody needs to stop defending him on the left. I, I just can't get over his praise of Robert Byrd. You know, John Lewis, who was a, a civil rights icon, I, I, and I'm telling you, he, this guy was the real deal, and he put his life at risk, and, and he's, he helped make us a more perfect union. But, he, but Biden becomes friends with the guy that filibusters the Civil Rights Act, was against the Voting Rights Act, and then, you know, 13 years later is partnering with the former Klansman 
uh, against integration in schools because he doesn't want his kids going to school in a racial jungle, his words. Well, I'll tell you, Sean, if, if I got the floor, I'll tell you, Joe Biden is the single reason why I'm voting for Donald Trump. His comments this year about you ain't black if you don't vote Democrat and we all think alike, that was so offensive. I, I've been a civil rights attorney for 30 years. I believe in equality, fairness. And that type of plantation mentality that you have to vote D if you are a black person was ultimately insulting. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have incarcerated more black men than any other two politicians in the history of this nation. And I find that that whole Democratic convention was dark and ugly and try to portray this country as a racist country. They have used that phrase systemic discrimination as a big lie. Everyone listening to this program, we do not have systemic discrimination, especially in democratic cities run by black, brown, yellow, and white people. It is insulting. Well, Now, do you think, and I'll ask you first, Leo, do you believe that, okay, that African Americans, remember Trump's slogan, what have you got to lose? Do you think a higher percentage of African-Americans, historically, they vote Democrat, if you're looking at identity politics and demographics. Will they vote for Donald Trump or Joe Biden? Sean, I think, and I, I say this without any hesitation, based on what's happening the last four or five months, based on my interaction, Donald Trump will get the highest percentage of black voters than any Republican president ever. His message is resonating just based on the informal calls I'm getting. I'm talking about the historically funded black colleges. I'm talking about the lowest unemployment rate. Those are actual programs, progress. What you heard last night from Joe Biden was just words. Same words for 45 years. So the answer to your question is yes. He's going to get some major, major influx of black voters, especially in those battleground states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And you're take Dan Bongino. And what would you say the president ought to do differently based on the infomercial week we had at the DNC? I mean, that, what a disaster. I mean, that, that was really when you have it, you get a post-convention bounce. Typically, it's only happened for the last 50 years. Whatever parties have in the convention after the convention, you typically get a five, sometimes, you know, eight to 10 point bump in the poll. This may be the first presidential candidate in modern history, Biden where the opposing candidate, Trump, Rasmussen has him up something like six points. Or so. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Rasmussen, by the way, the ones who got it right last time. So it was a disaster. I mean, they could use highlights from it in their own RNC to show you the difference. But on Leo's point, I think he's right. I'll give you three estimates with the black vote. On the low end, he could do what he did last time, 8%, which would be a disappointment. I think he can do a lot better given what he's done uh, for the black community, especially on the economy before the plague. I think on the middle end, he could do 10 to 15. On the high end, Sean, which would be, believe me when I tell you, and this is not hyperbolic, an earthquake in politics, and I think Leo would agree, if he does 15 to 20% of the black vote, the Democrat Party will be altered forever. They'll be finished. They can't win an election like that, ever. It'll be over. He's, absolutely, he's right. Dan is absolutely right. If, if 15 to 20%, that will change the dynamics of the Democratic Party, and their message will be destroyed about playing race politics. And, and I think Dan is dead on point. Those three, point, those three scenarios are definitely in play. Uh, now, one thing that came out with the CDC chief coming out, and I remember Fauci said that, that we could definitely have in-person voting. 
CDC Chief Robert Redfield has said America's turned the tide on coronavirus. Uh, we've now seen, again, it's the same pattern seems to be holding in California, Arizona, Florida, and Texas. The curve's flattened. Then you see the drop-off, and then, you know, now we're beginning to see the lowest numbers of, of new contractions of the disease uh, since uh, June. So how big, and if we get the vaccine before Election Day, how big an impact would that have, in your view, Dan Bongino? Oh, I mean, it would be huge. It would be game-changing on the election itself and on the election process. Now, why we can go to the supermarket and buy food and go out and protest, but we can't vote, seems absurd. And I'm not trying to make a silly argument. I get it. They're different things. But, Sean, think about it. Like, a protest is relatively uncontrolled. I don't, I don't mean violent, per se. I just mean people walk where they want, they say what they want, they protest where they want. They don't always social distance. That's not the case with voting. You have a voting booth. You can let four or five people at a time. You can have them line up outside. You can put little markers on the ground that are six feet apart. You can set up early voting for 20, 25 days if you want before. I mean, there's ways to do it. And the fact that the Democrats don't want to entertain those options shows you they're like committed to what they've always been committed to in an election, which is fraud. And they know yeah. fraud has its highest potential via the mail. Well, look, this is what we know from today. We know that July home sales soared to an all-time high. Uh, U.S. retail sales have bounced back to pre-pandemic levels. Uh, We know red states are driving the post-pandemic economic recovery. Uh, Based on everything that I can see, because this happened a lot faster than I would have predicted. I didn't think we'd see the job games we saw from May and then it followed through June, and then retail sales, and then record sales, for example, Costco and, and Walmart and, and all these big chain stores uh, that are just killing it right now. Um, now, everyone thought the unemployment rate was going to go to 20. It's already down to 11. Still too high. We want everybody back to work. But those states that have opened up and figured out how to do it and handle the hot spots with new therapeutics and hopefully a vaccine. We're eight months into final trials of a vaccine, human trials. I mean, these are all game changing moments to me. Well, I'll tell you, Sean, and I hate to say this, but I just got this feeling. If you Again, go back to the Democratic Convention. It was ugly. It was racist. And I know this sounds bad, but I think it's true. The Democrats do not want the economy in this country to progress because they feel that if they could put the fear of the pandemic, that that is the only, the only issue they have. And that's all they're pushing. Pandemic, pandemic. And they're trying to bootstrap to to Trump. Trump imposed a ban on travel way back in the beginning of this. Yeah, where was Joe? Yeah, where was Joe? Where was Joe for the travel ban? He's calling it xenophobic. You know, I got to take a break here. We'll come back. Joe says there's no miracle. Well, a miracle's unfolding because we never broke down the sequence of a virus in six weeks and, and eight months later in final uh, human trials, stage three trials uh, for a vaccine. Never happened. Therapeutics have dropped, as I pointed out yesterday, the mortality rate dramatically from where it was early on. All right, final moments, Dan Bongino, Leo Terrell. Um, okay, so Joe made it through the speech last night. Joe, good boy, Joe, good. you done good. You can go get your nap now. Okay. Um, which I'm sure he practiced probably a thousand times. That's my guess. Uh, different in a debate. And by the way, he didn't perform awfully in, in the debates that he was in. There were a couple of really bad performances. But I think Donald Trump versus Biden is going to be a little bit different. And uh, I think that uh, Joe will try to just attack, 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 memorize his lines. How do you see that going, Dan Bongino? 
You know, for the first time ever, Sean, so mark it on your show. Linda, get me this clip. I'm going to have to reverse myself and agree with something Geraldo said that I disagreed with on the air. He said one time, let's be careful we don't set the bar so low that if Joe just makes it through the debate, um, you know, without falling over, God forbid, that we're all like, oh, what a huge success. And you know what? He may have been right. The bar may be so low for him that just showing up you know, maybe enough. And I'm afraid that I'm afraid that could happen. That really bothers me. I've agreed with that for a while. I mean, that's always. But I think the I would like to see I would like to have a debate before any American cast a, a ballot because 16 states will be voting before early voting before the the first debate. Leo. Well, I'll tell you right now, the bar is low for Joe Biden. No question about that. But, you know, as a lawyer, I was listening to him. His sentences were short. Very one, maybe four or five words in every sentence, short paragraph. When he's in that debate, he's going to have to be quickly responding to issues that are going to require quick thinking. And that is not going to be in play. He won't have a teleprompter for quick rebuttals by President Trump. So I will submit to you, yes, he got past this low bar yesterday with a very short, choppy uh, pre- uh, presentation with a teleprompter. But when it comes to debate, nuances, exact details he's going to get annihilated all right leo terrell at the leo terrell on twitter dan bongino's new book by the way is coming out uh we'll put it up on hannity.com if you want to order your early copy uh it's called follow the money the shocking deep state connections of the anti-trump cabal thank you both 800-941 sean you want to be a part of the program quick break right back don't forget amazon.com 40 percent off deep discounts if you go you can get let live free or die america and the world on the brink at costco's uh, Books a Million, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Target, uh, and I, I love discounts. Anyway, Amazon.com might be the quickest. Quick break, right back. We'll continue. Thanks for being with us. Sean Hannity's new book is now available. Live free or die in stores and online everywhere. All right, live free or die. Yes, thank you. Another week, number one. The more important thing is, is everything that you need to know, what is at stake? What has made America great? We talk about it. We go into specificity and detail. The rise of the radicals, the Democratic 2020 extreme radical socialist agenda. And I lay that out before I go into socialism and its history of failure. And then, of course, the mob and the media. We got a chapter on them. The Russia hoax. The Ukrainian hoax, the double standard, I mean, it's so nauseating. This is, they've attacked this man every second minute, hour of every day since the second he came down that escalator with Melania Trump at Trump Tower, and you get to be the ultimate jury. Anyway, on sale at Amazon.com, 40% off, uh, and now bookstores everywhere. Also great stores like Costco's and Walmart and Target. Uh, hope you can get your copy uh, this weekend if you're out and about. Thank God many states are open. I, I mentioned this earlier. Red states driving the post-pandemic economic recovery big time. July home sales just came out, soar to an all-time high, up 24.7%. Wow. U.S. retail sales bounce back to pre-pandemic levels. Even fake news CNN and the mob You know, they had to admit, quote, that's a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. When they said unemployment would go to 22 percent. Well, the president brought jobs back as early as May. We didn't know. I didn't think they'd come back that early. Now it's 11 percent and going lower. I think we're going to have another dramatic decline there as well soon. And by certainly when we get third quarter numbers just before the election on November 3rd, we'll know a lot more by then. 
Uh, anyway, joining us now is uh, Governor Christy uh, Nome, great state of South Dakota, and uh, she will be speaking at the RNC convention. The McCloskeys from St. Louis, they're going to be speaking there. Remember Nicholas Sandman, this poor kid that they brutalized in the media? Yeah, well, now Lynn Wood is getting settlement after settlement after settlement. Uh, he happen, I, hap, I, ha, He happens to also be one of my attorneys, and I'm telling you, he is unrelenting. You know, it is, I, I can't imagine, he won't share it with me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever dare ask him. But I can't imagine that these, what they did to this poor kid, and they never tried to check anything. The difference between, say, me and him is I'm a public figure. You can pretty much say anything you want about me, and I have very little to no recourse. Uh, he's going to be there. That's, that should be a pretty powerful moment. Uh, anyway, Governor Noam, good to have you back. How are you? Oh, we're doing great. How are you doing, Sean? I'm good. I know you're looking forward to your speech. Uh, first, let's get your thoughts on the DNC and what you saw. I love what the president said about Biden. All words. He's been 50 words, of, 50 years of words and just words. And his track record with Obama's atrocious. I have the numbers. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was an extremely uh, polarizing convention. Uh, very little policy or vision for what they would do. Instead, they were playing on people's fears and emotions and demonizing a man who is leading our country into greatness. So it was uh, hard to watch. Many times I couldn't, but it's from, uh, I think people will see a very clear difference next week because uh, Republicans are talking about the importance of this country, our foundation, and what this president has done. And frankly, this president on our our principles of the Republican Party has made more progress than any president has for 50 years. So he has defended us and fought for us each and every day. And that's really the story that will come out of next week. Let me ask you this. Uh, now, have you thought a lot about what you what you're planning on doing? Are you going to be taped? You're going to be live or you don't know yet? Well, it's, it's a requirement that it is taped, uh, or at least that's what a lot of the speakers they're having us do. So it will be taped. Um, and I'll be talking a little bit about, um, you know, our some of our founding fathers and what they brought to our country and how this is an excellent opportunity for us to continue to focus on the stability and consistency that those principles still bring us today. So, um, you know, I think I'm speaking on Wednesday, which is the day of where it's focusing on land of heroes. And so I'll mention a couple of them. I think you guys all remember at Mount Rushmore, we were in the middle of all these discussions, tearing down monuments across the country. A lot of the liberals were. And uh, instead in South Dakota, we were celebrating our founders and flawed individuals, but did amazing and great things for our country. And that that is uh, pretty special and something to be celebrated on. So my speech will We'll talk about that a bit, but it'll also talk about President Trump and the leadership he's brought to us. Yeah, let me, you did two things that very few people ever did. Well, first of all, I think you were one of just a, maybe a couple of states. I can't even really think of the other one that didn't ever shut down your state. You went to the people of, of South Dakota and you said, all right, this is how we have to be responsible, but I'm going to let you decide. And I admired that. Now, I don't I don't think the, the same policy could be adopted in a place like New York City. You have the smallest geographical area, the highest concentration of people. I mean, you're talking about 11 million people in New York City alone, although that number is getting greatly reduced by the hour. Um, and the other thing is when the president just recently ex extended 
unemployment insurance. You said, we're good. We're, we, we don't need the help, but we really appreciate you looking out for us. Thank you. Yeah, you know, we are doing great in South Dakota. And, and I would just say, Sean, you talked about New York City a little bit. You know, I trusted my people to make wise decisions, gave them all the information that I had. We made different decisions, but I do think uh, the reason that I did is because I respected what my authorities as governor are, and I didn't overstep them. And then I gave uh, the people of our state all the information that I had. And that's something that we didn't see other states do. Uh, we didn't see other governors trust their people like we did in South Dakota. Well, I mean, I think that's amazing. And yeah. your your unemployment numbers are way, way below the national average the last time I looked. Oh, yeah. Our, our unemployment numbers... Are, are one of the lowest in the nation. We have recovered over 80% of our job losses way back in June, so it's even better than that now. Even though President Trump gave us the flexibility on the unemployment benefits to continue to use the increased levels that the federal government would provide, I told him we didn't need it. Um, we, in South Dakota, are doing great. We're moving businesses to South Dakota overwhelmingly. Uh, people are buying up every house that we have. Uh, they're recognizing that in South Dakota they get to utilize personal responsibility to take care of their family, and, and they want to be a part of that. So you're seeing people move into South Dakota. I mean, you're seeing it in New York, and I'm just telling you, it's a, it's a mass exodus. Now, this has already been going on in states like New York, New Jersey, Illinois, California. Would I say to anybody, if you're going to leave your state, don't bring your stupid politics that destroyed the state with you to some red state. Um well, let me. So you're in Pennsylvania today. Uh, tell me what you're seeing. We saw the president yesterday in Scranton, which is uh, Joey's old hometown. He likes to call, remind us, tell us the Joey story, which he's been telling for 50 years. Uh, what are you seeing on the ground in Pennsylvania? Well, this is a battleground state, and it is uh, excitement everywhere we've gone. Uh, folks are showing up and recognizing the contrast between what Joe Biden brings to the table and what President Trump has already done and proven to us that he will do. So they recognize, and we're having conversations with everyday Americans, that Joe Biden's been a part of the problem for over four decades and has delivered no results. And we've already seen families do better under President Trump. They're focused on his results and they want four more years. Why do you think he's hated by so many in the media? And, and there's a there's a I call it a cult like psychotic rage against all things Donald Trump. How do you analyze that? Well, I saw a little bit of that just even during the COVID-19 stuff when I didn't fall into line. And this is the bureaucracy um, compliance mentality of the left that um, wants you to do as you're told and to um be status quo and to let them control you. So I think that President Trump came in to break that up. He has been someone that's not afraid to call out the problems and to do and take aggressive action to fix them. So that's, that's why he's not kowtowed by the media. He's not scared of them. In fact, he's very bold at going right back at them and, and making sure that he's, he's holding them accountable. And, and that's why uh, they, they're not used to that. We haven't had a president that has been so bold before and that's what they don't like yeah well governor Nome, it's uh it's great to have you on the program thank you so much congratulations on all the success our meat packers now are doing well in south dakota i know they had a, a hot spot for a while that was all taken care of right 
Oh, they're doing great. And uh, Sean, you wouldn't okay. believe it. We're, we're building over a dozen processing plants in South Dakota to create more opportunities to have smaller operations, give the producers a higher uh, price for their product and give the consumers a safe. Wow, that's supply. great. So in, well, yeah, thank you, Governor well. Nome. I got to run, but I appreciate you as always being with us. Let's get to our phones here. As we uh, promised, top of the hour, John Solomon with breaking news that we've been telling you about. We'll get to that uh, very soon. Uh, Edward is in the great state of Texas. Uh, sir, welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. Oh, thank you, sir. You have like a mini ranch available down there. I don't want like the big, big ranch. I'm looking at maybe a Hannity mini ranch. You know, just a, f- <laughs> a few cows and horses. I don't know. Uh, I'm more in the city area. I'm in uh, kind of north Houston. I'm living over in Spring. Yeah, I have family that live in Houston. What's going on? So, yeah, I just wanted to let you know, I heard you talking to Greg Abbott yesterday. And I, um, yeah, not all of a, a, my wife and I fled California. And we came here for their, you know, because it's Texas, not because, you know, we want to come in here and change it. We came, we left those liberal policies and we, I mean, I mean, fled, I mean, my wife quit her job of 19 years. We packed up our house, sold what we couldn't pack, sold the house and moved here. No jobs lined up. Nothing. We just uh, we just couldn't. And, take uh, the well, policies. that's that's kind of risky. That's pretty bold. Uh, obviously, you'd have yeah, a little no. bit of savings to do that, right? Now, oh, did yeah, you hire a moving savings. company, or did you get U-Haul, or what'd you do? We use pods. You know, those pod things are pretty awesome. They really are. Yeah. Yeah. No I was doing some construction so you, a while back. I had one in my backyard. I loved it. Um, they're yeah, pretty I, cool. You do yeah, know that if you leave back. California, it's about four, uh, about twenty five hundred for U-Haul. But if you take it from Texas back to California, it's four hundred. That says everything, doesn't it? Yes, yes, it does. And things are yeah, working I out just... for you in Texas. You doing well? Oh yeah, we're doing great. I mean, uh, well, you know, we kind of we kind of had a, a good savings kind of nest egg. We kind of took advantage of the um, the recession when it came back in the bubble. Finally, was starting to come back up, and uh, we got in. We got a. We got a house that was uh, a fixer-upper. We paid really low bottom for it in the Central Valley. We fixed it all up. Then once the uh, once the economy kind of rebounded, we sold it off at a at a substan- you know substantial profit. And then we came in here and we sold that to buy the house here, and we paid cash for it. So you know well, we had awesome. the savings to do what we did. It wasn't like we were able. By the way, to that's one there. of the best ways to make money. You get you get the cheapest house on the block that needs a lot of work and elbow grease and paint and you know whatever new maybe new kitchen cabinets whatever, new carpet mm-hmm. set or new floors, and I'm telling you, you can make a fortune if you were able to do it. I mean, I if I had time, I love doing those projects. I just don't have time to do those projects like I used to. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait I just, till I have the I, time again. Although I'll probably be doing talk shows and talking to myself if I'm not here. <laughs> We'll be yeah, doing monologues. I'll be, you know, you know pay, painting a room. Welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Glad you're with us. You know, okay. And then people are going to say, wow, he's he's gone crazy Joe Biden on us. But anyway, well, Edward, I'm glad you like it. and glad your decision worked for you. I love your courage and guts, and I wish you and your wife the best. Congratulations. When, when we picked, a, when, when we picked a, basically an area to, to move to, not only did we, like, not only did we pick Texas, I actually picked, a, uh, what's his name, um, Oh man, I'm sorry. I'm 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 kind of nervous here. Uh, Dan Don't Crenshaw's be nervous. So you, you you said you picked what? Dan Crenshaw's ne- ne- uh, district. So oh, so you actually kind of went to a too. district with a. You see, I'm like a political orphan in New York, and by that I mean I don't have any representation. 
None whatsoever. Uh, I, I got, let's see, I'm Cuomo, Comrade de Blasio, <laughs> and then I got, uh, you know, all Democrats, the most corrupt state government, Albany. Every leader goes to jail. Every single one. Never seen anything like it. And so, you know, the only representation I have is I have these senators that I uh, that I force them to adopt me. And by the way, having me as a constituent is annoying. But anyway, thanks so much, uh, Edward. Wish you and your wife the best and your family the best. Appreciate you being with us. When we come back, uh, editor in chief, just uh, has an amazing correction for the Democrats made during the DNC. John Solomon will have that breaking news. We'll get an update, too, on the Durham investigation and uh, all things that the mob and the media will never talk about. And we'll get your calls in next half hour, 800-941-SEAN. Don't forget, live free or die. If you haven't gotten a copy yet, it's it's in Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, Costco's, Walmart, Target, all deeply discounted. Amazon.com, a whopping 40% off, which I'm very happy about. The audio version was done completely by me, cover to cover. And they have an ebook. If you want to get the ebook copy, whatever, uh, I hope you'll read it and share it. I don't want you to buy two copies, just one, and, and give it to all your friends. And hopefully, they'll they'll get the urgency we have about what's about to happen in 74 days. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right. News roundup. Information overload. Hour 800-941-SEAN is our number. Live free or die. Uh, now I'm, I'm noticing that bookstores are open in major parts of the country. Uh, certainly, uh, books a million I know are open and Barnes and Nobles and Costco's and Walmart and Target. And I'm grateful that they all, uh, have believed in the book and taken the book. No, thank you for making it again. Number one this week. And also, uh, you can get it on amazon.com. They have very fast delivery, 40% off. And this is I, every bit of information that matters about what is at stake in just 74 short days. And that's why I wrote it, and the five-alarm fire in my, my mind, my heart, my soul is real. And I hope everyone else has the same urgency. And I think after you read and understand exactly what they plan on doing, if implemented, the damage that will be done and the loss of freedoms that will happen and the, and the unfulfilled promises and the guaranteed failure. It's not that you want it to fail. It will fail. It's failed every other time. Uh, anyway, so our friend John Solomon, he's the editor-in-chief of JustTheNews.com. Uh, well, it seems that the illegal immigrant featured in a video uh, on the third night of the Democratic National Convention, we find out now, was first deported in 1998 when Bill Clinton was president, then rearrested and ordered deported by ICE in 2013 under former President Barack Obama. And that's been confirmed now by U.S. Immigration Customs Enforcement officials telling uh, our friend John Solomon, who's back with us as well. Hey, John. Yeah, it's it's remarkable, Sean, isn't it? Uh, how many times over the last four years have the Democrats created false illusions, whether it's Russia, impeachment, uh, nothing's been done on COVID. You can go through all of them and we can debunk them factually. But here's a, here's a really poignant moment where they have a video of a young girl saying, big, bad, terrible Donald Trump deported my mother. He's cold. He's heartless. And this is the sort of person that a Joe Biden administration might allow to become a citizen. Well, guess what? It wasn't uh, the order for deportation of Alejandra Juarez, who was focused in that video, her daughter telling her mother's story. 
She was actually arrested under Bill Clinton, deported under Bill Clinton. She tried to enter illegally a second time into the country, was sent back under Bill Clinton. In 2013, she was again found in the country illegally and arrested by Barack Obama's administration and ordered deported. It just so happened that the deportation occurred under Donald Trump because she got a couple of temporary waivers. But uh, we've seen this. Remember earlier, the Democrats said, oh, it's Donald Trump putting kids in cages. Well, those cages existed under Barack Obama. False illusions, false narratives. It just keeps happening time and time again. And this one really struck us. My good colleague, Nick Ballacy, was able to get the ICE uh, officials to give us her official file. And you find out her problems, her legal troubles started with Democratic presidents, not Donald Trump. You know, and I love how they talk about they're all sunshine, light, and rainbows, and there's no controversies. We've never had any scandal, really. Uh, The fact that you let ISIS get out of control, uh, the fact that you catered to dictators like Iran, and let's not forget about Benghazi and Fast and Furious uh, and the IRS scandal, uh, those were all real scandals and real abuse of power. And on top of that, they spied on a presidential candidate and a transition team and set the plans to, to spy deep into the Trump presidency. And we know Barack Obama knew everything about it. Yeah, there's absolutely. And they defrauded a FISA court, a federal court. I mean, it's, it's not in dispute anymore. It's absolutely 100 percent known. I had another moment that really struck me last night. There was a moment in Joe Biden's speech where he said, you can trust me, right? I'm a, I, I, we're going to tell you the truth. Joe Biden has a lengthy history of fabrication, of uh, plagiarism, of saying racially insensitive things just time and time and time again. Uh, we have a story up on the site now. It just literally goes through just the fabrications he's had about stories about getting arrested, uh, trying to see... Um, uh, a, a leader in uh, South Africa of uh, lifting speeches from Bobby Kennedy, John Kennedy, and Neil Kinnock and calling him his own. This question of trust would, you know, sounded great on the camera, and he's a very congenial guy when he's talking, but his record of fabrication, his record of plagiarism is really, really substantial. Earlier this year when he put out his clean energy plan, he lifted passages from other people's plans without attributing it. Uh, I think the Democrats are going to, uh, you know, they'll keep putting out these really glitzy videos. But when you look at the facts, Joe Biden's record doesn't quite match the storyline they gave us. The last Isn't it days. amazing, John Solomon, there were very few of us that were willing to do the, the hard work, uh, the deep dive, uh, go out on a limb because we knew what we were reporting was true. We've now been fully vindicated on every single report we put out there. And right. the mob and the media, not only did they push a, a conspiracy theory and a hoax and lies with breathtaking hypocrisy and a breathtaking double standard, you know, Hillary's obstruction, subpoenaed emails, Hillary's dirty Russian disinformation dossier she paid for, premeditated fraud on a FISA court. They never show any concern about any of these things. And the media mob, then they're not going to tell the story as you and I have been telling about Joe's past or Kamala Harris's past, just like they never vetted Obama either. Yeah, listen, they've become a uh, one-sided institution. They're all about Democrats. I think this morning, one of the Washington Post reporter was advocating that they ought to change the Constitution so Barack Obama could come back and have a third um, a term because he really liked Barack Obama's speech. When did reporters become cheerleaders for a, a particular political point of view when they should be cheerleaders of just pure facts? Pure facts. We see so much fiction and so little fact in the uh, media today. It really frustrates me, and it's why recently I, I've called on President Trump, on Kayleigh McEnany, create some competition in that White House press room. It drives me nuts when I hear Q and on questions when we could be asking about policy, things that matter to the American people. 
let's create some competition, put some new White House correspondents in there, create a competition, and let real reporters come in and ask the people's business instead of all this gotcha, self-aggrandizing uh, showmanship that goes on. In the Everyone White keeps House. asking about QAnon. I don't even, I, I've had people try to explain. Crazy. I don't even know what it is. I don't even Being think in- anybody knows what it is. And it's not even on our radar. It is not on most Americans' radar. That's the funny no. thing. It's a sideshow. It's a sideshow because if you can talk about that, then you can't talk about the success President Trump has had in Israel with the historic agreement this week. If you could talk about QAnon, you've distracted him from the FBI conviction that occurred in the last uh, week of, of a, a lawyer who pled guilty to falsifying. The media has become part of a spin machine for the Democrat Party. It, it's the, they're, they're weapons of mass distraction. And we should get back to reporting the news that matters to people's lives. And I, I don't think, think it's going to happen. You, you get Pulitzer prizes right. for advancing lies and hoaxes. Do you know that, right? You're right. Yeah. The only way to do it is to create an alternative competitive structure. We have to start to do that. We have to challenge the narrative and challenge the practices of the mainstream media until we get back to truth and facts and neutrality. That's is that why you, right. you started JustTheNews.com? It's what impassioned me to go all in, two feet down. This late in my career, I didn't actually need to do a startup. But you know what? I'm so impassioned to get back to facts and news and journalism. And uh, what I learned in the Russia case about my own industry so disturbed me that I, I just want to put facts out there every day. And, and, you and, took, uh, and you took a lot of heat for it, and you've been proven right and vindicated time after time after time. How is the site growing? I mean... It seems to be, uh, I say we have an information crisis in the country. I think the president's forever tattooed the words fake news into the the mainstream media. I think he's right. Right. They are a mob. It's a mob mentality. They're driven by this cult-like, psychotic rage that's inexplicable to me that, that started the day he came down the escalator with Melania and Trump Tower. Yeah, and the media have been sucked into that vortex. They now have become uh, obsessed with it in a way that's bad for journalism, bad for America. Our founding fathers thought a free press was important to democracy and to a constitutional republic, and we've squandered that incredible role that was handed to us under the First Amendment. But listen, millions of people are reading the site. I think we had 15 million readers last month. We're only five months old. I'm grateful for that. Uh, But we've got a long way to go, and one of the things that I'm most proud of you don't have to take my word. I'm not as arrogant as the New York Times to say, you better trust me because I'm just the news. In our site, we have a thing called Dig In. Every document, audio, video that we use to build the story, we expose in its entirety and let readers make up their own mind. I think that fact-based journalism is what we need to return to. I think the industry can fix itself, but we got to get back to facts and get out. I don't see it. I don't, I I don't ever right. see that happening. I, I, I think the... Honestly, I see no return to anything that will recognize fair, balanced, and partial unless it's new. Um, Where are we with Durham and the criminal investigation? (laughs) You know, I think it's still ongoing. It's clear that uh, Klein Smith is a cooperating witness now under this plea deal. And it's clear that there are other crimes because the judge in the elocution mentioned, you know, that you're not going to be charged for any other crimes you might have been involved in. They're clearly looking at other things that Klein Smith was a witness to, a participant in. Will more happen uh, between now and Election Day? I think so. I think we might see one or two more criminal cases. We might see some sort of a summary written report. What I'm hearing is that what the attorney general said, we're going to know more before Election Day. We're going to know most of the story by Election Day. I think that's true. I think it's going to come in the form of two things, maybe a couple more uh, criminal cases, and then maybe some sort of summary report or outline of what they found. Unbelievable. All right, let's get to our phones here on this Friday. We'll take uh, oh, the bottom of this hour. I'm going to go back. You don't learn from history. You're doomed to repeat it. And Ronald Reagan gave a speech. It's called A Time for Choosing. And, you know, I'm going to tie it in and I'm going to play it for you uh, after the news at the bottom of the hour, because I believe 
it's what's at stake at this in this election. And I think there's so much we can learn. Remember Reagan with just one generation, freedom is one generation away from extinction. Let's not let it be our generation. All right, Natasha is in Florida. Natasha, hi, how are you? We're glad you called. Hey, Sean, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? Doing well. Every time I call in, I get in, so I feel like I have a bit of luck on my side. Some people say we've been trying for years. I feel so bad. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we're glad you made so it. Where in Florida are you, if you don't mind, or just general area? I'm in Tampa, Florida. Beautiful down there. Love Tampa. Yeah, I'm a unicorn, born and raised, my mom, my grandma, everyone. I-4 corridor, very important. Yes, it is. I wanted to call today to talk about some of the recent speech from Biden or say language from him. He claimed that black people, I'm black, so you know. He claims that we're not black if we voted for Trump. I voted for Trump. He says that they're going to put y'all back in chains using a very uh, stereotypical black uh, accent to say it, which is very offensive. And then he says that we're a monolith, which really, to me, disassociates us from American history. So when I served my country, I served African America, and I didn't serve America based on what he's saying. So what I want to do, Sean, I want to encourage Republicans, conservatives, libertarians to really go into these black neighborhoods and get that vote back. We have a beautiful history as Republicans. We segregated the military, Eisenhower, during his, his stretch, affirmative action from the Nixon administration, freedom of the slaves, the draft of the Civil Rights Bill. I don't understand how, with that beautiful history, we can't go into these neighborhoods and speak and sit down and talk to black people and meet, meet us where we're at and encourage us to look at the austere history from the Democrat Party and open our eyes to the destruction that they've caused in our neighborhoods. They impose their Marxist ideals, they sabotage or hijack our austere history and our pain, and then they push their mantra onto us, and then they just leave us in the dust once they get what they want from us. You know, I'm listening very closely. It's amazing that Joe and, you know, Joe last night doesn't even talk about the violence in these big cities run by liberal Democrats for decades, liberal states run by Democrats for decades. Every two, four years, I always say this, uh, Natasha, guess what? They, they come out with a race card. I've, I've gone through that history over and over again. And then I look at Joe Biden, really partners with, praises the, the guy that filibustered the Civil Rights Act, was against the Voting Rights Act. And remember, Lyndon Johnson needed 80% of the Republicans in the House and Senate to pass that bill because uh, Al, uh, Joe Biden's mentor and Al Gore's father were nowhere to be found. And then works with the former Klansman, you know, to stop integration of schools uh, because he didn't want his kids going to school. And in his words, a racial jungle. Unbelievable. They're just if you're a liberal, you get forgiven everything. Donald Trump ever did this, said this, praised such people. It would be awful. But I think the answer is in this. And I hope this answers your question. I think the answer is in, you know, words are words. That's what President Trump said about Biden last night. 50 years of words, nothing specific he accomplished. You know what? 13 million more Americans, food stamps, 8 million more in poverty. And Donald Trump shattered every record low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African-American youth unemployment. And policies work, opportunity zones, criminal justice reform, police reform, uh, helping historically black colleges with more money and the longest period of, of commitment than any other president. All right, Natasha, God bless you and all our friends down in Tampa. We need you, Florida, in 74 days. Quick break right back. Reagan, a time for choosing. Exactly what's at stake this election. 
I live free or die in bookstores now open. Thankfully, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Costco, Walmart, Target, uh, deep discounts in every store. Amazon.com, 40% off. You know, a, a chapter I have not spent a lot of time in is, well, first, the, the first chapter is, all right, what, what, is, what makes America great? What is, what is the underpinnings? You know, we believe in natural rights, rights from God, et cetera, liberty, freedom, Judeo-Christian values, government in its best state, a necessary evil, Thomas Paine warned, its worst state, uh, an intolerable one. He said that in 1776. And now it's the biggest moment of choosing that we've had. And I just, the stated policies embracing full-on Bolshevik Bernie socialism, full-on Green New Deal madness, full-on eliminate all fossil fuels, full-on everything is free, 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 full-on open borders, full-on amnesty, full-on United Sanctuary States of America, full-on, you know, destroy the energy sector, destroy it, wipe it out, no fossil fuels. By the way, eventually we'll eat less red meat, uh, full-on. And by the way, Kamala Harris, yeah, she was the co-sponsor of Medicare for All and the Green New Deal. And the same thing goes with, you know, where everything from higher taxes, more bureaucracy, government control of everything. And that's all at stake. And But I don't talk about the rise of radicals as much, uh, which is the second chapter of the book leading into Fantasyland 2020, the Democratic Party agenda, which we now know is even worse than I thought. I mean, it's, it's all in the book, but it's literally now they're doubling, quadrupling down on it. And if implemented, it would be a disaster for this country because socialism is always a disaster. Reagan gave this historic speech. Now look at three waves of conservatism in the United States in modern time. Reagan, Newt Gingrich, the contract, and now the Trump revolution. And we got to stay the course. And Reagan talked in 1964 about this time for choosing. And I, you know, I was going through the speech again, and I looked at it, and I said, wow, this is so applicable to where we are today. And I want you to, to listen through the prism. And, and this is what it was at stake then, and I argue it's even worse now in terms of the threat to the foundational structural success of liberty, freedom, risk-reward, capitalism, invention, innovation, and natural rights and natural God-given abilities. Let's listen in. I believe that the issues confronting us cross party lines. No nation in history has ever survived a tax burden that reached a third of its national income. Today, 37 cents out of every dollar earned in this country is the tax collector's share. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose that war and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, History will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the Founding Fathers. Not too long ago, two friends of mine were talking to a Cuban refugee, a businessman who had escaped from Castro. And in the midst of his story, one of my friends turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. 
This is the issue of this election. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. Man's old, old age dream, the ultimate in individual freedom consistent with law and order, or down to the ant heap of totalitarianism. And regardless of their sincerity, their humanitarian motives, those who would trade our freedom for security have embarked on this downward course. In this vote harvesting time, they use terms like the great society, or as we were told, if we must accept a greater government activity in the affairs of the people. But they've been a little more explicit in the past, and among themselves, and all of the things I now will quote have appeared in print. These are not Republican accusations. For example, they have voices that say, the Cold War will end through our acceptance of a not undemocratic socialism. Another voice says the profit motive has become outmoded. It must be replaced by the incentives of the welfare state. Or our traditional system of individual freedom is incapable of solving the complex problems of the 20th century. That the Constitution is outmoded. And Senator Clark of Pennsylvania, another articulate spokesman, defines liberalism as meeting the material needs of the masses through the full power of centralized government. Well, I, for one, resent it when a representative of the people refers to you and me, the free men and women of this country, as the masses. This is a term we haven't applied to ourselves in America. But beyond that, the full power of centralized government, this was the very thing the Founding Fathers sought to minimize. They knew that governments don't control things. A government can't control the economy without controlling people. And they know when a government sets out to do that, it must use force and coercion to achieve its purpose. They also knew, those founding fathers, that outside of its legitimate functions, government does nothing as well or as economically as the private sector of the economy. Yet any time you and I question the schemes of the do-gooders, we're denounced as being against their humanitarian goals. They say we're always against things, we're never for anything. Well, the trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant, it's just that they know so much that isn't so. Now, we're for a provision that destitution should not follow unemployment by reason of old age. And to that end, we've accepted Social Security as a step toward meeting the problem. But we're against those entrusted with this program when they practice deception regarding its fiscal shortcomings when they charge that any criticism of the program means that we want to end payments to those people who depend on them for a livelihood. They've called it insurance to us in a hundred million pieces of literature. But then they appeared before the Supreme Court and they testified it was a welfare program. They only used the term insurance to sell it to the people. And they said Social Security dues are a tax for the general use of the government. And the government has used that tax. There is no fund because Robert Byers, the actuarial head, appeared before a congressional committee and admitted that Social Security as of this moment is $298 billion in the hole. But he said there should be no cause for worry because as long as they had the power to tax, they could always take away from the people whatever they needed to bail them out of trouble. And they're doing just that. I think we're for an international organization where the nations of the world can seek peace 
But I think we're against subordinating American interests to an organization that has become so structurally unsound that today you can muster a two-thirds vote on the floor of the General Assembly among nations that represent less than 10% of the world's population. I think we're against the hypocrisy of assailing our allies because here and there they cling to a colony while we engage in a conspiracy of silence and never open our mouths about the millions of people enslaved in the Soviet colonies in the satellite nations. I think we're forating our allies by sharing of our material blessings with those nations which share in our fundamental beliefs. But we're against doling out money government to government, creating bureaucracy, if not socialism, all over the world. In the last six years, 52 nations have bought $7 billion worth of our gold, and all 52 are receiving foreign aid from this country. No government ever voluntarily reduces itself in size. So government programs once launched never disappear. How many of us realize that today federal agents can invade a man's property without a warrant? They can impose a fine without a formal hearing, let alone a trial by jury. And they can seize and sell his property at auction to enforce the payment of that fine. It doesn't require expropriation or confiscation of private property or business to impose socialism on a people. What does it mean whether you hold the deed to the, or the title to your business or property if the government holds the power of life and death over that business or property? And such machinery already exists. The government can find some charge to bring against any concern it chooses to prosecute. Every businessman has his own tale of harassment. Somewhere a perversion has taken place. Our natural unalienable rights are now considered to be a dispensation of government and freedom has never been so fragile, so close to slipping from our grasp as it is at this moment. Our democratic opponents seem unwilling to debate these issues. They want to make you and I believe that this is a contest between two men, that we're to choose just between two personalities. Well, what of this man that they would destroy? And in destroying, they would destroy that which he represents, the ideas that you and I hold dear. Is he the brash and shallow and trigger-happy man they say he is? Well, I've been privileged to know him when. I knew him long before he ever dreamed of trying for high office. And I can tell you personally, I've never known a man in my life I believed so incapable of doing a dishonest or dishonorable thing. Those who would trade our freedom for the soup kitchen of the welfare state have told us they have a utopian solution of peace without victory. They call their policy accommodation. And they say if we'll only avoid any direct confrontation with the enemy, he'll forget his evil ways and learn to love us. All who oppose them are indicted as warmongers. They say we offer simple answers to complex problems. Well, perhaps there is a simple answer. Not an easy answer, but simple. Now, let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war. But there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this, but every lesson of history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter our well-meaning liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives no choice between peace and war, only between fight or surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we have to face the final demand, the ultimatum. And what then? You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy 
Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Winston Churchill said the destiny of man is not measured by material computations. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn we're spirits, not animals. And he said there's something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. I think it's, I mean, it's so powerful, but it's worse now. New Green Deal, no oil, gas, no coal, no fossil fuels, redistribution of wealth, weak foreign policy, appeasing dictators, open borders, amnesty, the whole thing. And that's, that's what I've tried to capture. So if everybody will have a full, complete understanding of everything in great specificity and detail that is on the line in 74 days. That's why I wrote Live Free or Die. Thank you, you know, for making it number one. 40% off Amazon.com, Costco's, Walmart, Target, Books a Million, Barnes and Noble. If you're out and about this weekend, I hope you can grab a copy and, and I hope you can take the information and share it with any of your friends for the next 74 days, at least. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, we have big announcement on Monday about how I'll be covering the Republican National uh, Convention and big, big stuff that, well, let's just say Hannity exclusives left and right. And I think you are going to like it. Don't forget, live free or die. America, the world on the brink. Uh, still 40% off Amazon.com. Books a million. Barnes and Noble. Costco. Walmart. Target. Deep discounts. If you haven't gotten your copy yet, I hope you will get it. It defines everything that is in play and what matters for this election in just 74 days. Have a great weekend. Uh, we'll be back Monday with some announcements, and we'll see you then.